Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett to talk all things Manchester United during the international break, which we were actually talking just before we started recording about what the biggest talking points are at the moment because obviously with international breaks players go away uh club football stops you get players saying weird stuff uh, whether it's about their future or themselves and we've decided that that's probably going to take up the bulk of today's show so uh yes rob how are you doing i'm good thanks um, i'm kind of quite glad that this whole international break thing is coming to an end because it does get a little bit dull and tedious isn't it and we have to kind of pick holes in things and and show that we're really interested in the national teams like no let's get back to Premier League business but kind of looking forward now to the next stage of the season with United um there should be good things to come Newcastle on Sunday uh, at St James's Park is a nice test to get straight back in uh, to club football United trying to win the FA Cup and trying to win the Europa League as well when the season resumes, we're in the final stretch or approaching the final stretch anyway. Today we'll talk, uh, like, like we say, international breaks are quite difficult. We don't want to go all sensationalist signing, no, saying let's sign this player for 200 million or and we have to address that kind of thing sometimes. But this time I think we'll analyse what a few people have said about either themselves or other people. And today we'll talk about... Uh, this, this news is a few days old, but we haven't addressed it yet. Gareth Southgate on Marcus Rashford. Harry Maguire saying some stuff on England duty. Uh, we'll talk briefly about Anthony Alanga and Victor Lindelof. They've also had some comments. Kim Min Jae from Napoli has also had some comments about his future. And we'll maybe look at the bigger picture in terms of centre-half because Rafa Varane has also had something to say over the international break, even though he's not away with France. Uh, he was presented before one of their games recently. Uh, but it's now retired from international football. We'll talk about that as well later in the show. And we'll also do a little bit Harry Kane because Spurs have sacked Antonio Conte. And uh, I've just seen, Rob, uh, I've just seen something quite funny, which is a, an excerpt of uh, a Daily Mail article. Towards the end of January, Antonio Conte gathered his Tottenham players at the club's Enfield HQ for a heart-to-heart. As the final player arrived, Conte walked out, telling his players he wanted them to find the solution themselves to their wretched form. <laughs> United should have got Conte, shouldn't <laughs> That's very Jose. That is just kind of like, you know, getting them all in a room and then walking out, kind of showing them what you mean. Look, I, uh, it's one of those things. I actually pushed for Conte to get the job. Like, that was my first angle on it. I was like, of everyone on the market, you know, if you want someone now, this was the Ranick time. You either go for an interim like Ranick, and that was my choice at that moment. Or you go get Conte because you could have done and what happened, Spurs went and got him and people were like, oh, you've missed the boat, you've missed the boat. But I think as it's materialised over time, like Conte we know is a little bit of a cheese grater of a manager. Like he really, really hurts you, like he can do. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think the other side of the, the coin is with him is that life with him is always temporary. You know it's always going to be a year or two. 
and that's really about it. That's what he does. I think at Tottenham, it's just it's... about how far you can go in that time and how Definitely. much you, how much you give him in yeah. terms of what he wants, because what he wants is not good for five years' time. <laughs> what he wants no, is good for now. No, and and I, I definitely admire him as the kind of guy that he is. Like He is a real tough profile of a manager, and I think he either unites players when things are good, but when things are not good, he divides everyone. And what happens when he picks his ball up, goes back to Italy and runs home, and it's all over. So I, I think... Him now leaving air flights. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, and and I, I just think with Conte, United did dodge a bullet there, even though, as I said, I advocated for him because I think that Ten Hag is your better long-term choice. Someone who not, it's not just got the strategy long-term, but man manages people long-term, actually wants to get in their head and help them and develop them. So Conte doesn't do that. And I think you could see these final weeks at Tottenham. Oh, it like I know you called it box office the other week with his interview, but the truth is, from a from oh, it's a bus- awful, Absolutely from a awful. business, yeah, from but a I business, yeah, from a business point of view, like you know, this is not professional wrestling, is it? You know, this is like you know, this is real life. So I just think when you look at Conte, is that he just doesn't really toe any kind of party line. He's not really about the fans or the club. He's really about his own success, and when that is gone for whatever reason then so is he and he's off. And I think he threw all his, all his, all his players under the bus, just like Jose would have done. And that's why these 10 years come to such a sudden end. Using pro wrestling terminology, Antonio Conte absolutely buried his Tottenham players in public. Uh, But I would also put Antonio Conte in the same box as maybe Louis van Gaal and Jose Mourinho now in, you want him in your league but you don't necessarily want him at your club. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's not to knock what they've done because all those guys have won tons of trophies, haven't they? But I think, you know, they were signs of the times is what they did and it worked in those days. And and maybe Conte is kind of at the end of that in his life cycle as well because I think it comes to everyone. Jose as well, you know, I think that was what we saw at Manchester United is that the end was that Chelsea came to us, getting another manager I wanted to see at Man United at that point and it failed and it failed because of him. It really did because, you know, Football changes and other people don't, and he didn't. So I think that's maybe where Conte is. That Conte will go somewhere now and no doubt, you know, have a run and be good at what he does because he, he is in the short term a really good choice. But I just think if you're looking longer than a year or two, um, he ends up becoming toxic very quickly. I think you go back to Inter. Anyway, this is not a Tottenham podcast. Uh, this is a Manchester United pod. We'll talk today about... Well, those... they are our feeder club. So, like, you know, for maybe <laughs> maybe our next big transfer. So We'll see. Uh, we will see. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts and watch us now on YouTube. We run twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment for us as well. Uh, we do see them and uh, we do appreciate them. Uh, you're picking up on little things within the shows as well, which is making making me giggle anyway. Um, and yeah, uh, follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. Might soon need alternative social media platforms to plug. You can follow me on TikTok, underscore Scott Saunders. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram as well, Scott Saunders 89. Uh, but tell Rob, us, tell us where you get your football content from, because I think this is it. Yeah, this, we do need to know this. Actually, we've been so reliant on Twitter for so long in our jobs. Like, we really have. Like, you know, I've been on Twitter for over fifteen years now. It makes me cry when I hear that out loud. And I say that it's like oh, 15 years. But um, but the truth is, the times are changing again. 
And where do you guys go and get your content from? Do you just rely on your Google aggregate on your phone to tell you what to read every day or whatever? I don't know. I think Twitter was always a good way of directing the traffic. And now the traffic's gone a little bit weird with the guy that has bought the company for 44 billion so yeah we need to have that conversation i think with our audience very soon rob and i are on the verge of not being real people anymore um according to twitter's guidelines unless you're prepared to play for pay for twitter blue <laughs> and do you know what I can't, i'm kind of like all right with it in a way because like we were verified for the right reasons and if people want to get verified for seven bucks and that's the way that they want to do it they're the wrong reason. So I, if that's the way the model goes, it just takes a lot of credibility away from the platform. But uh, does Elon Musk really care about that? Not really. He's the richest whatever. man in the world or whatever. So uh, I don't think he's bothered. Yeah, leave, leave us comments. What social media platforms do you use? Um, what's next? Where what's, are you going what's the, next? No, what's the next big one? We would like to know that because Rob and I are old and out of touch. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's, let's talk about... Um, Let's talk about some weird stuff. Let's talk Gareth Southgate because this has been a whole thing over the last few days. Gareth Southgate talking about Marcus Rashford. This has not gone down well with Man United fans for obvious reasons. I can only imagine how it's gone down with Marcus Rashford. Um, asked about Marcus Rashford's absence from the squad because obviously he's pulled out with injuries. He's been to New York. He's now back at Carrington. Uh, resting or has been resting, recuperating or taking a break um, and should be ready and fit for the Newcastle game at the weekend, along with a f hopefully a few other players who've been injured recently. <clears throat> well, the feeling was he was playing really well, but we haven't often had him, said Gareth Southgate. So in terms of a loss, when you haven't had him that often, then it's different to being a loss. This is bizarre. Like, in terms of a loss, when you haven't had him often, then it's different to being a loss. But obviously, what United fans notice, and this was the first thing I thought of, you called up Marcus Rashford for the World Cup, and he scored twice against... It was Wales, wasn't it? Yeah, I was there at that one. That was, that was awful. Um, scored twice against Wales. Raheem Sterling had some personal stuff to go and take care of in the days after that game. Mm. Was out of camp came back a few hours or a day or so before the game and started ahead of Rashford. Mm -hmm. And Marcus Rashford got like five minutes against France as well when he was probably, he was like along the lines of top scorers in the tournament at the time in really good form. He's kicked on since. But I think the, the thing is, you look at what Gareth Southgate said there and is it's like some double standards, right? So Marcus Rashford was, he was there, he was fit, you didn't use him. Yet, Harry Maguire isn't playing for Man United. We'll talk about him in a second. Yet you start him every time. Calvin Phillips has played 300 minutes this season for Leeds. And yet you start him against Italy. Um, how did this make you feel, Rob? Well, first of all, what Southgate said and the way he said it, absolutely stank to high heaven. Absolutely stank because he knows the wording of, of what he said about Marcus there is going to be taken by the press, taken by us, turned around, ripped apart, little bits taken out, all the context removed, new context put in, and Marcus is going to have to deal with it. And it becomes the story, doesn't it? So we've seen in the last week tons and tons of press footage of Marcus in New York on holiday. Why is Marcus Rashford on holiday when England are playing? He obviously doesn't love his country and all of this. And then you've got the manager that says that. You just said there, Scott, about the, the availability thing. That Let's go back 
two years ago, two and a half years ago, to the Euro finals, yeah, where Marcus Rashford goes and plays in the squad, obviously comes on, doesn't he, as a substitute in the penalty shootout and misses the penalty, yeah? Marcus Rashford went to that tournament against the advice of Manchester United. He was injured, really injured. And he went because he went to go and serve his country and he went to do Southgate a favour, yeah? So he was at that tournament. Now, obviously, he couldn't play a lot of minutes, but he came on to try and score a penalty to win England the Euros. That's where he was. So I think when you look at the injury that he had recently and that bad knock that he got in our last game, it was quite clear that he probably wasn't going to be able to play football for a week or two just because it's that impact injury. So it's completely unfair that Gareth Southgate has said this thing about availability because Marcus Rashford, when he's available, has been in the squad. It is also worth noting that you cannot pull out of a squad unless you have a medical, unless you are checked. You can't ring up the manager and go, I'm just not feeling it, boss. It doesn't work like that. You have to go through a whole process to show that you are injured and he's injured. And he went on holiday like most of the Man United players after that. So those who were not on international duty were told by our camp and by our boss, go get a few days away somewhere. So Marcus did that. Marcus went to New York with his girlfriend. And yes, he got pictured here, there and everywhere. But so what? He's on holiday. He's still doing his training. He's now back at Carrington. He was back there yesterday training with the boys. Gareth Southgate. Does he do this? I don't know about other players or players from other clubs. I don't know. You know, like I, I said, you know, Jack Grealish had pulled out of a squad or something. Does Jack Grealish get followed to Copacabana Beach or somewhere and get? I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know why. But I think with Marcus, it does feel like he's being subjected to something here that he shouldn't be. Do, do, do you not agree? Yeah, I mean, it's just it, a lot of it seems double standardy to me. And I, like, yeah. I'm not. I, I don't follow. Like I'm, I'm not English. I don't really particularly follow the England team, you know. Um, obviously, I have to for my for work and this kind of thing. But mm. you know, it's just it just seems to be one rule for one one rule for another, and he's kind of tied himself up in knots a little bit here. So he did actually address it afterwards as well. He said, once he's ruled out of the squad, it's entirely up to him how he spends his time. The players don't get a lot of breaks, so I think for all of them, once they've got a little bit of time, I'm sure our players will be flying wherever after. Sunday's match against Ukraine. If they get 48 hours with the schedule as it is, I think they have to take advantage of it. So it's like a bit of a climb down in a sense, because obviously players, they play football all the bloody time. <laughs> like even in the summer now, there's an international break at the end of the season. These players are playing too much football. It's, it's not, it's just about the mental World stuff Cup. as well as the physical stuff. Just at a World Cup where you've hammered players, hammered them, hammered them. You've gone, go to a World Cup and perform in Qatar and then come straight back to the Premier League. So, like, it's it's all very well Southgate saying that after the event, but it's kind of null and void, Scott, because he should have said it before. Yeah, he should have defended the player before and said, Marcus Rashford is injured. We don't need to talk about Marcus Rashford. Let's move on. But he didn't do that. He decided to talk about him in what is essentially a derogatory sense. So it's all very well afterwards going, oh, it's made a bit of a storm that. Well, you knew what it was going to do. You absolutely did. So you said at the top of the show, you know, I don't know what Marcus thinks. I know exactly what Marcus thinks. Marcus probably thinks that completely stinks. I've always said this about England, said it last week, is that Man United players have been treated poorly by the FA and by England fans over so many years, decades. That's because it's the Man United thing. So I think Marcus suffers that in that moment in a way that maybe players from another club wouldn't do. So I don't want to go down the anyone but United route, but I do think that there is a connection there when it comes to England. It's like, oh, he doesn't care about his country. No, he's injured. He's injured. Leave him be. Luke Shaw got suspended, didn't he? 
and Luke Shaw stayed with the squad. So, like, Man United players are not all just trying to scuttle away from England. It doesn't. It's not really worked like that, is it? He stayed with the squad and trained, and now obviously will be back with United. So, I think at Southgate there, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, I do think that he made a mess of that. Marcus Rashford is one of his best players. Maybe try and protect that boy rather than having a go kind of covertly through the press. Uh, so you mentioned there, Rob, about England or United players not getting the right treatment for England. Maybe people mm. will be screaming at you, Harry Maguire? Harry Maguire plays for England all the time, yet he can't get in the United team. So I'll move on. <laughs> Speaking to the media, uh, Harry Maguire was asked if he properly he feels properly appreciated. For England, yes, I do. Obviously, last season was difficult for the club, but listen, I've proven myself to Gareth, who works with a wide range of centre-backs. He has the choice of all the English centre-backs in the country, and I play every time I'm available, I've been in the team. This is ahead of the likes of Fikao Tomori, by the way, who was getting a lot of uh, praise for his time in Italy with Milan. I'm sure if you ask the rest of the lads, they know what I bring to the team. I'm 30, but I shouldn't need to prove myself at this level. I think that's the big line, right? I've over 50 caps. I'm England's top scorer and defender. I played nearly 200 times for Man United, captain the club for three years. But I also understand that when you're the captain of United, you do come under the most amount of scrutiny. Last season at club level, my performance wasn't good enough. Alongside everyone else, not myself, I just uh, not my not just myself struggled. Everyone else struggled as well. The top, the, the big line there is I shouldn't really need to prove myself. That's been the one that's been doing the rounds. And I think James Ducker um, from The Telegraph quoted that and said, pretty much nailed it. The best players feel the need to prove themselves every single time. And if you're Man United captain and you're saying that, how does that correlate? And absolutely no player worth their salt would say that out loud with a microphone in front of them because it smacks of all the worst kind of privilege, doesn't it? So I think when you look at Harry Maguire and... Go back when we've talked about Maguire saying pre-season to kind of during the campaign and, and whatnot to where we are today. We've always said about Maguire is that the problem with him is that is when you see him. So when you see what he can't do, that's the problem. So, Harry, I really do think that you need to prove yourself. If you want to be in teams and want to be picked, the fact that Gareth Southgate is picking him, say, over a player like Tamore, that's on Southgate. Tomorrow's proved himself in the last year or two, or a player like him really probably should be playing more than Harry Maguire. I don't, I didn't watch these games with England and think, oh, Maguire really shone. He was amazing. Again, I'm looking at Maguire and going, you've got the same problem. So if Southgate wants to pick him and that's what he decides to do, that's up to Southgate. But we're always talking about players proving themselves and we should keep talking about it. Because that's what football is about. Reputations mean nothing to me, Scott. Like, again, a Man United, when we talk about players that are maybe popular, and I'll say something unpopular about them, it's a football comment. Players have to prove themselves all the time. Harry Maguire, if he thinks that he doesn't have to prove himself now at 30 because he's Man United captain, I really think you should probably leave Man United and go and start your journey somewhere else. Go and prove yourself somewhere else now. Because just because you wear our armband here have to prove himself. does not mean anything. You wear the armband, you're a world record transfer, and you're not going to be remembered as a raging success at Man United. You're not. You had your little spells, but you're not going to be remembered like that. You're always going to be remembered as that guy that couldn't run at cost 80 million. So I think that... The, Maguire might feel all right about himself, and I think that's okay. I think if he's got the self-confidence there to put himself forward, great. I think that's a good thing. Do you, do, you think, do you think Eric Ten Hag might get asked about that in the lead-up to the Newcastle game and respond accordingly? 
And Eric Ten Hag might get asked about it. And Eric Ten Hag will say, all my players have to prove themselves every day of the week. If you don't prove yourself, you don't play. Aaron Maguire's played five games. Enough said. That's it. Like, that's that's it. Players who play, and one thing that uh, our manager said was that age doesn't matter when you talk about Garnacho and stuff like that. He said, you've got to prove to me in training that you're ready to be picked the next day. Now, the fact that Maguire has not been picked a lot tells you a lot, doesn't it? Especially when we've got a centre-back like Rafa Varane, who does suffer with injuries and could really do with some rotation. And yet Maguire's played five games. So that tells you, I think, a lot of what our manager thinks about it. But I think it also reflects the fan base. I think it reflects us as journalists and United fans to say, we've seen enough of him and you haven't proved yourself and therefore we need to move on and so do you. This show is generally going to move in the direction of centre-backs, but I'll just get this out of the way for a second. Anthony Langer has also spoken on international duty and said he's frustrated. it's frustrating that he's not playing. You want to play, it's important. Mm-hmm. If you don't play, it's not up to me, but up to the coach. I've spoken to Eric and it's private between the two of us. Mm. I know what he wants me to do and I can just keep training hard when the opportunity comes. I just have to be ready to take it. Victor Lindelof has also said something on international duty. Uh, so Harry, we've had Harry Maguire, right? We've had Victor Lindelof now, who I'll get into in a second. We also had Rafa Varane, who just mentioned there, talking about his future. And he said he will end his career at one of Lance, Manchester United, or Real Madrid. Uh, Suggested to me, maybe, that maybe he... Maybe retirement's coming a little bit sooner than most people expect. I think he's about 29 years old. I'll just get Lindelof out of the way a second, because I want to make this a wider conversation about centre-halves. So we've spoke about Maguire, spoke about Varane. Victor Lindelof. Speaking, I think it was back in the last week. Of course, like every player, you want to play every game. And obviously, I haven't done that this season. But like I always say, when I come here, it's a pleasure to be involved. Um, like I say, I want to play football. That's why I play football. I want to play games. But I haven't thought about that as in a transfer away. Right now, I'm just focusing on the national team. And then, of course, we'll, the rest of the season with the club. Then in the summer, we'll reevaluate and see what's best. That seems to me, Victor Lindelof... This this the squad uh, transition, the way that Eric Ten Hag is managing the squad and giving players who deserve the chance the chance to go and you know get in there and phasing out the players that everybody kind of knows needs to needs to leave mm. eventually. They they're, they're saying it themselves now. It's it's clearing the players are kind of clearing the path themselves and it's making Eric Ten Hag's job a little bit easier, isn't it? Yeah, because I think what's happened is now, Scott, is we've got a little bit of water under the bridge. Like Ten Hag's tenure started a little while ago now, isn't it? It's not completely brand new. The the players have had a chance to work with him. He's had a, pl- a chance to learn what these players can and can't do. And I think the team gets picked around those things. It's not a case of uh, favourites being picked or maybe just like wild opportunities popping up out of nowhere. There seems to be a method to the madness, doesn't there always? I think when you look at uh, Lindelof, it's... Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details is a very similar issue to Maguire, is that there are things that he can do well, but he's part of the problem, not part of the solution. So the things that have gone wrong in the last few years, it's not all on Victor Lindelof, but Victor Lindelof's game is not suited to winning football matches every week. That is the truth. 
Victor Lindelof was at Leicester or Victor Lindelof was at Brighton or Victor Lindelof was somewhere lower down the league at the moment, I think that he would look like a really viable centre-back and people go, he's quite good, isn't he? Because the standards are different as you go away from Manchester United. So I think when you look at the two fondly named Chuckle Brothers, you know, I do think when you look at Maguire and Lindelof, they are again going to be remembered as part of that that maybe 10-year stagnant history of Manchester United post-Ferguson, where you had players that you hoped could do something for you, but actually kind of took you south, took you the wrong way in terms of your quality. And actually, you're right. I think we're in this transition now where in the summer, a few of these guys will be gone and they'll be gone for hopefully half-decent fees. But the most important thing is don't have them at the football club because then you can't pick them. That's what I think is important. Mm-hmm. And that's why you lose a Lindorf. That's why you lose a Maguire. It's not about whether will they get better or can they do it elsewhere. It's about, I actually don't want them in our rotation. I want other players in our rotation so we're better. And that's the way I think Eric Ten Hag thinks. I think that's the way every good manager thinks. So obviously, I don't think the Maguire thing will go down that well with Eric Ten Hag, who is going, you know how he'll react in his mind anyway. It's yeah. No, you need to prove yourself every single day. You don't. You know, that's what sets the top players apart. Anyway, uh, Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire. I think we can all kind of see that eventually both of them will leave. I don't know if both of them will leave in the summer. Uh, maybe one will end up staying. But I do think that, like, obviously, central midfield and centre forward are the two positions that United obviously straight away need to strengthen that will lift the team up. But I think there's, there's a bigger squad building conversation here which dependent on takeovers and this kind of thing uh, depends on the speed. But over the next two years, you're going to need to phase some of these players out and replace them with better prospects in the mold of player that Eric Ten Hag wants, because obviously we know that he's kind of working with jigsaw pieces that don't suit him at the moment. Mm. Now, Maguire, Lindelof, I could see one of them going to Italy. <laughs> I could see one of them maybe being sold off to a Premier League club, whether they do both in the same summer is anyone's guess. But if they do both go, they do need another centre-back. And we we spoke about Rafa Varane there and his hints about when he's looking to retire or, or where he will retire. We know his injury record. We know how his minutes need to be managed. And we've said on this show, United need another centre-back at some point to grow into that position long-term. And you... I put defensive midfield in this as well. They they need someone in that position to long-term replace Rafa Varane. Now, the one that's been sticking out over the last few days is Kim Min-Jae from Napoli, but he is late 20s. Oh, he's 26, actually. Not as old as I thought. Uh, he has addressed some transfer rumours and essentially poo-pooed them. He said, as you know, these rumours these rumors are not true at all. I want to focus on my team. I have many tournaments to play. It's been four years that I've had these rumors. It's uncomfortable, and I wish you don't spread all these stories. I can't be bothered by transfer rumors because they aren't true. Now I'm focusing on the team rather than that kind of nonsense. Uh, and obviously, he's going to win Serie A with Napoli. Napoli have a good chance of making the Champions League final. But he does have a release clause in his contract, which is half decent and good value for a club like Man United. I'm just uh, trying to double check here. He is 26 years old, turns 27 in November. Hmm. I thought he was older than that. So my my perspective on that might have changed. But United need, at some point, a centre-back to kind of transition past Rafa Varane or to share the minutes with Rafa Varane, who is more in Eric Ten Hag's mold, a centre-back. Is Kim Min-Jae 
that for you? Yes, yeah, certainly more than Maguire or Lindelof, like by a million percent. So <laughs> I, 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 I think this is the thing. It's about, you know, I think the long-term squad build has to be around maybe the philosophy of having two viable talents in every position. Now, you just said there you don't think that Maguire and Lindelof will go together. I actually think they will. I think they'll both be sold together because you've also got to think that you get rid of Eric Bailly. Yes, that's the third one. And two in Zabie. So that's four centre-backs probably going to be shown the door. But the value of those four with the wage and like will allow you to go and buy a really good Rafa Varane kind of alternative. Now, we said about Rafa. You know, we don't know how much longer he's got left. But I also don't think we should assume that just because he has had injury problems that he won't be able to fix them. I, off camera, I explained to you, didn't I? But my thoughts about Ryan Giggs is that I think around that age group, around 30, we all thought Giggs was done with his hamstrings. And Giggs just learned to be able to preserve his body and play more games. So what you need, isn't it, is that if you want to keep Varane at the club and get all the upside from his experience and his brilliance and all the great stuff that he does is that you need someone to come in now and then to give him a rest. It's what they're calling basketball is load management. So if you can put that load management on someone like Rafa and bring in someone like him, I think he's a really, really good defender. You're just saying there about his age. Again, you want someone, I think, who... If he's coming to the football club, he would want to be first choice. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's what makes him a complication because you're not going to have all the success at Napoli to then come and sit on Man United's bench. Like, it's just not going to happen. Especially Napoli might be on their way to becoming Champions of Europe as well. Like, we we see the value. They've got a really good team. chance. A really good chance. And it's been built correctly. And they're a really, really good team. We talk about all those players with in glowing terms and Kim's one of them. But... I think whether you go for him or not, there's going to be plenty out there. If you get rid of those four centre-backs that I just mentioned and move them on and clear the books, you can then maybe promote Mengi within your ranks. You could also then bring in a, a younger centre-back in maybe early 20s that that is happy with 20 or 30 games a season to start off with. And then Varane is, still plays your hub of like 40, 50 games. But you've got to look after Varane, Scott. And we have to do that more. And I'm always worried about that. when As the season rolls on, I'm always like... He's the one player I look at and I think you need to look after him more than we do. But then the problem is, is that looking after him this season means that Maguire plays or Lindelof plays. And if I'm Eric Ten Hag, I'm playing Varane. So that's the problem, isn't it? So that's what you have to solve now in this next transfer window. And there's a few of those little bits around the pitch, isn't there? Like we've gone on the right-hand side of talking like Delo and saying, yeah, Delo's a start, Delo's a start, Delo's a start, a get rid of Wambasaka. And here we are a few months on and now people are like, Wabasaka's the starter. Delo, mm, and Delo's looking a little bit like old school Delo from two, three years ago, where he looks a bit lost every week. So you're constantly trying to solve these problems that are kind of materialising in front of you, Scott, aren't you? But you eventually have to bite the bullet. You eventually have to get to a point where you go, right, sell these players and bring in this new talent. That's the only way Man United can do it is by losing players before you sign them. Yeah, uh, let us know what you would prefer to do because centre-back is not it's not a super urgent problem but obviously no. you know when even even you as a United fan mm. not not you Rob but you listening or watching when you see Rafa Varane's got an injury how does that make you feel yeah you need to address that really when you see Casemiro is suspended how does that make you feel it's like oh god the drop-off's going to be huge isn't it yeah, it is. And you know what? Like we, we, We've all been enamoured, haven't we, by how the way that Sandro's played this year. Like He's the boy now. He's the left-sided centre-back. We love everything he does and all of this. But 
when you look at the back four, there is still a case, I think, for like almost like complete restructure. And we talk about goalkeeper as well. I think they're back five and include them all together. You know, do you go for someone like a Vardiol? Do you go for a player like that? Really chuck all the money at a player like that? But then, of course, you'd have to say, well, what do you do with Martinez? What, you know, where, where, where do you go with that? Now, that would not be a popular choice, but it might be the right choice. So this is what I think Ten Hag has to decide in the weeks and months ahead about how does he take this team that's done so well this year, being a kind of top four stalwart, has won a trophy, is still in the hunt for trophies. How do you then next year make it better? Because that's a tough task. And it might be about making less popular decisions. So we can talk about Maguire so we're blue in the face and Lindelof because no one really has faith in them. But when you look at maybe, say, that left centre-back channel, you're looking at and going, right, do you, is this the point where you move Lissandro to a different position and bring in a generational talent like of Guardiola? So I, I think there's there's other things to be that will happen here in the summer that we've not even talked about yet. Question for you. Do you think Man United are capable of raising £100 million this summer through player sales? Because I'm looking at Dean Henderson, Victor Lindelof, Harry Maguire and Scott McTominay. And I'm thinking, how do those values match up? Can you squeeze potentially up to 80 to 100 million out of those four players if you sell them properly? I think you can, but I actually don't think it matters because when you bring in the sales from a player, I know, again, fans think it's recycled into transfers and football talks about it in that rhetoric of like, Oh, you sell 100 million. There are so you... FFP concerns, by the way. That... Exactly. So I was about to say the, the real concern here is the wage bill. So because that, that is your bottom line off, off your profits and your loss and all these things. This is how that all things marries together. So when that money comes in quite often in these contracts, there's things to be paid up and paid off. Like quite often you're you're still paying for a player when you've sold him. Like you've actually bought him two, three, four, five years ago and then you've sold him and you've still got to pay the club that you bought the player from. These things are not always there in the public domain. It's this is stuff behind the scenes and in the and in the finance books. But yeah, I think United have got players to get rid of and move on, Scott. But I think it will really probably come down to the investment of either a new owner. So whether that be a Sajim or whether it be the Qatari bid or anything along those lines, and there will be a pumping of capital from those new owners, or whether the Glazers refinance and stay and then put a certain amount of money forward to restructure the team in their image because they will have their own agendas for the team. So we know that Man United have spent tons of cash in the last 10 years, but just bought a load of garbage. What United needs to get better at is to start buying better players. So it, I, I think that it starts with clearing your wage bill. So then you've got that financial fair play flexibility for the next two, three, four, five years across contracts. You can do that. When you get 100 million, you get 80 million, 50 million, that doesn't really matter. That just goes back into the kind of coffers of profit and loss. I, I do believe on the, the FFP thing, uh, this is under UEFA, yeah. um, but the Premier League might follow. I, I, I might be getting it. This is just off the top of my head. I think that clubs have to meet thresholds of 90%. You can only spend up to 90% of your revenue yeah. uh, on wages and transfers, et cetera, et cetera. Then it moves to 80. Then it moves by, tw- I think it's 25 to 20, 25 to 26 season. Mm. It moves to 70%. Yeah. So United have a job to do here of over the next few years, trimming down their squad, sorting their wage bill out. They're giving, you know, the contracts United have been given. You dread to think Harry Maguire's contract Aaron Wambasaka's con- these contracts increase over time as well. Mm, generally, they I think you'll find so uh, they they have a lot to do. Not impossible, um, but they've got certainly got to get better at selling because they've no, they've not been good at selling since the two thousands, really. 
Yeah, I think the truth is as well that when you sell players at a club like Manchester United, you're selling them because they're failures, right? You're not selling them because they've done really well and it's like your next Ronaldo. Ronaldo go, Real Madrid want you, okay, £80 million, please. That was obviously back in the day a lot of money. It's not a lot of money anymore. Um, but I, I think that when you're at this part of the project for United is that you have to understand that you're going to make losses on these players. You've got to clear them out somehow and get that wage bill free so you can then work with your revenue. So Man United are a high-revenue club compared to most teams in the world. You know, incredible revenues. You need to structure your business around that financial fair play. I think that the Premier League should structure their business like that because that will then stop, I think, erroneous sports washing money coming into football to kind of inflate stuff. Now, that's a different argument. And I know that fans kind of go, and I've heard I've heard Gary Neville say this as well, like if you have a rich owner come in, then let the rich owner spend. But just it's just a it's just a complete means to an end it doesn't work does it it's just like it's just like throwing money at things non-stop rather than actually having a correct business model so i think that man united are lucky enough that they've got that in the bank in terms of their revenues they're always going to sell shirts always going to be a big ticket football club but you need to bring in better players and you need to structure it in a way that's more sustainable you need players scott that are actually on that kind of 50 to 100 grand range and say to them Earn your next contract, not just give Victor Lindelof 150 grand a week, because that's what we did. You know, Victor Lindelof got a huge wage. He sits on the bench. That's not his fault. That's Man United's fault. So those things need to be fixed. And that's up to Ten Hag to make sure that he creates a squad that has competition within it without overspending. Speaking of spending, then, we've obviously done a lot of selling today, but there is a. We, we do have another hurricane talking point. Sorry. <laughs> uh, just because. Uh, uh, yeah, we we do see your comments about uh, the Kane awesome and thing. Just because Rob Rob and I feel Harry Kane is a better better fit, that's just our opinion. Everybody is absolutely entitled to their opinion on what fit should be the right one. Uh, and as we both said, if Victor Osman signs for Man United, Rob and I will not be unhappy about that. Delighted, uh, be absolutely delighted with it. Uh, this just is this is just the opinion that both of us seem to share. We've not even you know plotted not really no <laughs> bringing this out it was more um i came to a show one day and i said we should talk about this and rob said you stole my idea um <laughs> but anyway harry kane uh is there's been some suggestions over the last few days spurs are willing to let harry kane leave on a free transfer rather than selling the summer which mm. is a very spurs position it's a very daniel levy position but i think in reality when it comes down to it spurs cannot let a hundred million pound player go for nothing I think this is going to be a case of last Spurs have sold and uh, sold sacked Antonio Conte over the last few days. Uh, they have Christian Stellini in charge with Ryan Mason until the end of the season. They will try and get another manager, probably more suit into their image and profile as a club. I think Julian Nagelsmann would be a great fit if they can convince him to to go there. Uh, but we we wait and see. Mauricio Pochettino in the wings, a number of other managers as well. But can any of these managers convince Harry Kane to sign a new contract? Uh, what should what does Spurs have to do to hold on to him now? And do you think Conte sacking? Uh, how do you think this kind of plays into the picture? I know we're not in Harry Kane's head, but obviously, if you go and if Spurs go and appoint Nagelsmann, for example, does that automatically strike you as Spurs challenging for trophies? Not automatically, no, because no. Spurs are still Spurs. No offense to Spurs fans. Like it, it, this is again all about levels and expectations. I think that uh, for Nagelsmann, Spurs would be a good landing platform. Why? Because it's Premier League. 
it is London. There are there's there's lots of things around that potential deal. He'll not be incredible amount of money, probably or more money at Spurs than he was at Bayern Munich. That would be the truth. But it, 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 he would be expected to oversee a project over a period of time, wouldn't he? What Harry Kane has to decide is whether he wants to hang around that long. Does he want to be part of another project? And I think this is also the Pochettino angle: is that if Pochettino goes uh, back to Spurs. What's he just going to do? Reboot what he was doing a few years ago? Like, you know, go back to what they were doing and that didn't work then, did it? So I think the whole thing is that it's not a popularity contest. This is about a career. And I think Harry Kane has to decide what he wants for his career. You know, we do understand that he wants that Premier League goal scoring record. We see now that he's got the England one. So he's not going to stop anytime soon. He still wants to be scoring the goals and being the man, doesn't he? And then it's about landing uh, platforms from the future. So I know that people absolutely dismissed what I said about Manchester City and about having two primary strikers with Kane dropping into the 10 and Harlem being up top. I still stand by that. I think tactically that makes a lot of sense. There's only a certain amount of clubs that can afford someone like Harry Kane. There really is. There's only a few. We're one of them. And maybe Man United maybe is the most exciting one because if we finish the season well, Kane will look at that favourably and go... I can add value there straight away. I can be the guy and the goal scorer and they've cleared out these players and this is a new era and I'm going to be the guy that leads it. I still think that's really, really potential situation. That's how it's going to play out because I think Kane is looking elsewhere. I don't think Kane will sign a contract with Spurs unless they give him the biggest contract ever, Scott. Like something that is I I think they are prepared to do that. But the, the thing is, like, is that going to satisfy what Harry Kane once i'm not sure spurs have the wage structure like spurs still have a lot of debt and spurs are still playing for the stadium spurs have still got a lot of things going on so i think they're going to have to, they'll get to a crossroads where they say right we either let's play go we get 100 million for him and that goes into the kitty for nagelsman or for pochettino and we can then buy our next superstar and do it that way or they give him a huge contract half a million pound a week something crazy that, that smashes their wage structure but then you've got to say to yourself, Scott, if you're going to do that and pay that money to keep him, are you still going to win? Are Spurs suddenly going to be a winning football club then? I think the answer to that is no. I think you could pay all the money you want for Spurs, uh, for, for Harry Kane from Spurs. But at the same time, are Spurs then going to become title contenders? Mm. No, the, the, the proof is in the pudding. We've seen it with, with multiple managers. Is that They do it the same thing over and over and over again. And Daniel Levy doesn't let people walk away for free. You know, never. He wants his money. He wants to He wants to cash in so he can reinvest it into his football club. So I still think that Harry Kane is more likely going to leave Tottenham Hotspur. And of course, that puts Man United right near the top of the list. Yeah, uh, I think Nagelsmann, this, this has been a lot of Spurs today. I think Nagelsmann uh, to Spurs is a, it's a fantastic fit if Spurs can manage to convince him to do it. But at the same time, Spurs have... Slight rebuild to go in and to go and do there, and that by the time they're going to need two or three years, even to get to the point probably where they're even thought of as title contenders, unless maybe yeah. things can change quite quickly. Arsenal have seen it happen to them within the space of a year, but Spurs are not in that same position at the moment, I don't think. Plus, they no, are that, Spurs. Arsenal yeah. developed over that period though as well. Like yes, two, but that was three, three years, years as well, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah. I was like, see, yeah, this is what I mean. We forget how we think it's a short period of time. But it's actually over seasons. Like it's not months and weeks. It's seasons, and that's what Spurs are going to need. And that's why you look beyond Harry Kane because Harry, United needs someone immediately, like next year, to be able to score the goals and do that stuff. Where Spurs probably can take time to build. It's, I was just about to say, Scott, with timing. If this was twelve months ago, I'd have been absolutely banging the drum for Nagelsmann at United. Yeah, absolutely 100 i'd have been like he's the guy go and get him and you know 
thankfully we'd have to do that with Ten Hag now. Like we're, we're happy with what we've got and we're happy with the manager. But yeah, it's a good opportunity for Spurs to get someone that really probably they wouldn't be looking at, wouldn't be able to chance to get unless the timing had all come together as it has now. A little bit of a different show to you today. Uh, obviously, international break means agendas change, this kind of thing. No football for us to talk about from a Man United perspective anyway. Uh, I'm trying to think of any players who are left on international duty that have to play tonight. I think Val Weghorst played last night for the Netherlands and had a record number of touches in the opposition box but didn't score. Um, That's Scott McTominay playing for Scotland. <laughs> what about Scott McTominay playing for Scotland? Scott McTominay is inflating his price. Uh, who have United got tonight? Nobody really jumping out at me. Uh, no, I don't think so. Fingers crossed all the United players come back uh, fit and firing. Bruno Fernandes has played for Portugal. That was Sunday. Uh, players will be coming back soon over the next few days. And hope, oh, well, on the next show on Friday, we'll look ahead to the Newcastle game at the weekend because I think that is a game that United cannot afford to lose. I think I'm going into that thinking, just don't lose. Just don't lose. That is my, uh, that, that's my approach to that. But we'll talk about that more on Friday. Uh, any final thoughts, Rob? No, as I said, glad the international break's over and we can kind of put that one to bed. But it's interesting today. We've had a kind of chitty chatty show about lots of little things that are happening around the football club and about things that we'd like to see. And I think we're going to be developing some of those topics now in the week's head because I do think we'll be talking more about transfers now as we move towards the end of the season. But hopefully we're also discussing Manchester United's continued success on the football pitch. Transfers, how exciting. Uh, anyway, yes, <laughs> so we'll be back soon. Subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes. And watch us on YouTube twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. Head over to the channel, like, subscribe, and leave a comment for us as well. We do see them, and maybe we will have some time to run through some comments in future shows. Uh, so keep them coming, uh, and follow us on Twitter or alternative platforms. Remember, tell us which platforms you like to get your football stuff from uh, on Twitter, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. And that's it for today. Thank you very much for listening to another Promise Land podcast. We will see you soon, everyone. Thank you. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.